Welcome to the Be Disciples podcast. This is episode number 68 as we continue our study in the book of Acts. This is your co-host Kyle Morris and joining me is Dakota Smith. How's it going, man? It's going good, bro. It's good to be back on the podcast. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> we've been just a been, minute. We've just been lazy. We yeah. haven't been doing anything. <laughs> Honestly, I, I think sometimes our schedules just haven't matched up. Sometimes there's a lot to do. Yeah, there is a lot to do. But ministry has been great. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we launched Braves Worship at Ottawa University. We did on Monday nights at seven thirty. Um, you know, we've got youth ministry going, men's ministry, women's ministry. I mean, they're all going. They're all doing things. They're all. It's been exciting, and so um, it's just been fun to do church. To be honest, yeah, there's been a, a lot of discipleship taking place, and a number of individuals who I'm just super proud of. Um, one young man at our church, Jeremiah. And his wife, Brooke, you know, they really get it when it comes to reaching people and building relationships. Uh, they're, they're intentional, and you can see their ministry thriving. Right now they lead FCA, and um, they bring a lot of college students over to the, the church on Sunday mornings, and they stay for breakfast and all those, all those things. So it's really exciting to see someone who is really young in their faith now growing up in their faith and, and being super effective for the church and, and for for Jesus. So that's exciting for me. Yeah, Jeremiah, a year and a half ago, would have not been able to teach the Bible. No. And to, and I, the other week, he was teaching FCA on creation. Yeah. And it was just fun to watch him. He spoke with authority. Yeah. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. And it was really fun to watch. Uh, and so, and he plans on teaching at Braves Worship coming up. So... It's it's fun to watch people grow. Uh, Brooke has been discipling some of the young high school girls, mm-hmm. and then those high school girls are now discipling other high school girls. I know. Uh, and that's kind of the point of our podcast is we want to equip the saints for the ministry, which is discipling people to know God's Word. Yep. So it's been a lot of fun just to watch it happen. Um, it's been said that when you build your ministry or a ministry off of the Word of God, and that that doesn't just mean... Well, you do some devotionals and stuff. That means when you teach other people how to read and study the Bible, those people can go and teach others how to read and study the Bible. So exposition is not just for the pulpit, but exposition is what's needed to ground every single ministry of your church. Um, I mean, from top down, it, if you build your church on the Word of God and how to communicate the Word of God, how to study the Word of God, all those ministries are going to grow. And that's what we're finding. Yeah, we are. So let's go ahead and pray, and we're going to get into Acts chapter 3 and just continue our study and see what is the early church doing, what's going on, uh, and uh, and just continue to see how the Lord is moving. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for uh, the opportunity to have a podcast a way of communication to teach your word. Bless our conversation as we read and talk through Acts chapter 3, just like we would sitting down with somebody at a coffee shop with our Bibles open, uh, just learning about your word. So let it spur us on today uh, to do your work, and I pray for everybody listening that they would be encouraged by your word this morning that it would allow them to pursue discipleship relationships, that they would seek out people uh, to dive into the Word with. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If we were to do a review 
of the last couple of episodes since we've put it on pause for a while here in the book of Acts. We'd start with Acts 1.8, which reminds us where Jesus told the, the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. He ascends to heaven. Um, then you have the day of Pentecost. I'm moving really fast through it. You have the day of Pentecost. You have Peter's preaching, people getting saved, the church and fellowship, and that's where we ended last. Um, the end of chapter 2 says, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved, right? The body of Christ was functioning as they should, living um, with one another in their faith and fellowship as they should. And then today we start chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. So let me dive into the scripture. It says the following, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer, and a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, or, or the Beautiful Gate, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us! And he began to give them his attention expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk! And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So, in a very coffee shop-like way, how are we going to discuss this? Well, first, <clears throat> we just kind of look at who's there. I think a little bit of context. Um, they're obviously still in Jerusalem, they're going up to the temple, um, and Peter and John are walking together. I mean, these are two of the, you know, most important guys um, out of, you know, in the apostles, cl two of the closest to Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and we know Peter has given a message. Uh, people are coming to know Christ. Um, but I look at Peter and I, and I think of where he was at not that long ago, Yeah, where he denies Jesus three times, yeah. and he had a different attitude. He did. He had a different attitude towards his situation. Yeah. He was more of the quick-tempered, yeah. quick to ask a question, quick to, to, to assume, right? He just had that different attitude about him. But we see a different Peter here. I don't see a Peter before Jesus' death looking at a lame beggar the way that he is here and, and having that attention and then saying, I have something to give you, mm -hmm. and it's Jesus. There's a, there's a change in attitude, and there's a change of heart in Peter just from the examples of the Gospels to the, this example in Acts. So I think that's a big deal. I think it's showing uh, Peter's maturity as he grows in his walk with the Lord. That's definitely a prevalent theme because we see that he preached a sermon super boldly in chapter 2. A bunch of people got saved. So this scene right here is not far removed from that. It's like we're moving from Peter's preaching to Peter's ministry and then lo and behold, right after this scene, Peter's about to preach a second time, so you're going to get this sandwich of preaching, ministry, preaching, 
So we definitely see Peter, and then you have John, which those two, if you think about the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John actually unveils for us that there was a healthy, holy competition between these two. Do you remember at the end of John where, you know, the disciples, specifically Peter and John, are running to the tomb, and it actually says that John outran Peter there. Mm-hmm. Um, there there's a lot of indications. I don't have time to go through the verses right now. <coughs> But if you think these two are have a healthy competition with one another for who can serve Jesus the best, and now you have these two side by side in a healthy way doing ministry with one another, so that kind of hits me right away. Um, it's something to take note of. Yeah, in youth group, we're actually studying the book of John, and uh, we're at the part where they're at the Last Supper, and you know, John says... About himself, the one that Jesus loves, you know, yeah. and uh, and Peter's the one asking John, "Hey, can you ask Jesus about who this, you know, who's going to betray him?" Right. And it was almost like for some reason I'm like, well, John didn't want to name himself, but he also gave him a title yeah. of the one that Jesus loved the most, and I almost feel like it's a little dig at Peter. <laughs> <laughs> and like John's right there next to Jesus, he's laying, I mean, on Jesus, and like really close to him. So it's almost like this interesting relationship that Peter and John have um, in there. And I don't know if it's John just being funny or just, uh, or kind of like didn't want to name himself, but at the same time, it's kind of, you see a relationship happening there almost, almost, I mean, I think it's a healthy, obviously they're friends. uh, They love each other, but I think there's a little bit of that. Yeah. Poke at Peter a little. (laughs) It's likely that John just didn't want to insert his name into the gospel because Jesus's name was more important. Right. But he at least wanted the audience to identify with him, right? The one that Jesus loved the most or the the one that Jesus loved. And I, I think that's a reminder for us as disciples to be reminded, hey, like Jesus Christ loves you. And yet it's also kind of cool on the side to see that John and Peter had a healthy competition, if you will. And I actually think that the Bible points us to that very thing because the book of Hebrews tells us to spur one another on with love and good deeds. So when you see your brother or sister serving Jesus with all their heart, it should cause you to say, oh man, what am I doing? Like it should rub somebody else the right way to cause them to live a holier life. And that's, we should stop as Christians. I know I'm getting on a rabbit trail, but we should stop as Christians asking how much we can get away with, and we should start asking how much can we do for the Lord to spur others on, how much can you do for the Lord? So now you see those two individuals super zealous, and they're here doing ministry together. Yeah, and eventually their ministries do go in different directions. They do. At some point. Um, not in different directions as in one's not following Jesus or something, just oh, right. a different calling, right? right. Uh, in different ways. So uh, we know that Peter has a calling. John has a calling. They all have. They both have gifts. They have different personalities. Jesus is using them exactly how he wants them to be used. And I, Jesus has a calling for us as believers, uh, and it's going to be used differently. Um, and so we have to know that God loves us all. Um, he doesn't necessarily love John more, uh, but he uh, he is using both Peter and John, and he used Peter mightily. I mean, we see this sermon. We see how powerful it is. I mean, someone who was maybe overzealous in the wrong way before is now super zealous about getting the gospel out there and just wants people to know Jesus. And we see that now in his ministry, healing this this uh, this guy who can't walk. Yeah. 
I mean, Jesus is the one who healed him. Peter was very clear in the name of Jesus, right? Um, get up and walk. But he cared for this person who people would just pass by, and that is exactly what Jesus did. It did. He cared for the people that people, other most people just walked by and didn't care about. Yeah. They were almost invisible to everybody else, mm-hmm. and Jesus saw everyone, and that's what Peter's showing here. He sees everyone. You know, I want to back up on that point, though, a little bit, because this is something, yes, Jesus sees everyone, but there's a little bit of a condition to that. That doesn't mean that Jesus heals everyone. Sure. So, like, if you look at the passage, look at what's happening. It's the ninth hour of prayer, which is 3 p.m., the hottest part of the day. People are coming to the temple. They're praying. And verse 2 says, a man who had been lame from his mother's womb all his life was being carried along whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. It says that he begged every day. (laughs) Well, Jesus went to the temple a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, this story has always intrigued me because what that means is that Jesus saw this man, but there was a time frame or, or a window of time Where while, yes, Jesus saw the man, Jesus, at least for a couple years, decided not to heal this man. Isn't that intriguing? It is. Jesus saw him. Jesus knew that he would heal him, but he would heal him in a different form through the usage of his disciples, which means Jesus intentionally waited to heal this individual for a specified amount of time. That time comes to a conclusion now where Peter and and John are together, and they say, in the name of Jesus, like now through the power of Jesus, get up and walk. This passage has just always intrigued me because while Jesus saw the man, he didn't heal the man. Peter and John, with the heart of Jesus, now see the man, they heal the man. And I think this is a lesson for us indirectly through the story in Acts, that sometimes God will heal you, but he actually will wait to heal you because he has a purpose in his grand plan and grand story of why he will heal. Like, God never just heals for no reason. Um, he either heals out of his mercy, um, he, he heals because it's going to be an opportunity for the gospel, um, so on and so forth. He heals for his glory, but he doesn't just heal because, you know, we, we beg him to, you know. Yeah, I mean, I just think of, when we think of God's timing or his sovereignty, that he is in control of all things. I mean, we were talking in the book of John about the timing of Jesus from that whole week, the Passover, every event that took place, yeah, all of the specific things and the people who had to talk, Judas and that whole situation, everything that had to happen that week right. happened because God was in control. That's right. The timing. Why did Jesus come at that time in history? Right? Why didn't he come earlier? Right. Right? Um, You know, there's all kinds of things. I mean, I think the timing was perfect. And again, like you said, sometimes we want things to happen quickly because we don't want to suffer anymore. But God is teaching us something, and that's okay. And can you be okay with that? Um, I think that's a big question for all of us, the why. And it's always my prayer that I would learn something, that I would grow in whatever I'm going through, mm-hmm. and that the Lord wants me here, uh, He's in control of it, and I need to I need to seek Him in it 
and just keep moving forward um, without kind of just wallowing in whatever I'm I'm dealing with at the time. Uh, so I think... Yeah, are you saying that there's challenges in being a pastor? Well, yeah, there's cha- <laughs> yeah, of course, but there's just challenges in life in yes. general. Yes. I mean, there's always things going on, some aspect of your life that's probably not going the way you want it to. Right. Even if at home and your marriage is great and your kids are great, right. maybe work's not going well. Right. Or work's going great and your home life's terrible. Right. Whatever that may be, there's something going on and... But as a Christian, are we seeking the Lord in those things every day, mm-hmm. understanding He's in control of all of those things, mm-hmm. and still living with joy in the midst of your suffering? Right. I mean, that can we do those things? Now, this lame man, I don't, don't know what he believed. It doesn't say. I'm assuming after the fact. <laughs> he probably came to know Jesus. Uh, but, I mean, this guy from birth knows nothing else except sitting on a mat most likely begging for money, begging for food, begging for whatever, um, and had no expectation of actually being healed, probably. I mean, maybe he'd seen it, he's heard of Jesus, and he's like, well, maybe there was a why not me. We don't know. It doesn't say any of that. We just know that he was healed, and he leapt. Yeah. Literally started jumping around. Yeah. And was just so excited that he was healed. And I, I can't even imagine... Well, it says verse 8 that he was praising God, along with the people praising God. We know that much, but we don't have any other information other than he's never been able to walk. Yeah. So, I mean, can can we go through our sufferings, come out on the other end, and have this sort of joy, and be leaping and being like, God, now I know why you did that. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. And how Praise God. Hasn't that been true? Just in our life as friends, we start going through something... And then the Lord starts working and using it. And, and, and it's like the hardest lesson to learn. Whenever you face things, God is actually using those things. And then you come out on the back end and you're like, okay, God, now I get it. Now that makes sense. Like, of course, your plan is perfect. Like there's always a, a ceasing. There, there always reaches this place where if you just hang in there, if you just endure with the Lord, like his plan is going to bring you peace. Sometimes, you know, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, but and you don't have hindsight while you're in something. But once you do experience the Lord bringing something to a finale or a conclusion, there is a lot of praising. And then uh, it even says, verse 9, that other people will praise God because of it. So you start praising God, people start praising God. Let's close the passage, verse 10. They were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I mean, being filled with wonder is to be struck by wonder and amazement. They are amazed. They're in a place of wonder and amazement at what God had done. So it's not just a mere praising like, hallelujah, let's sing a song or a hymn. No, they were like, oh my gosh, the Lord is obviously at work. And that's always a grander testimony than, you know, maybe just, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I try to think of times when I, when I read in the Bible about wonder and amazement. Mm-hmm. And I go, man, when when are times in my life wonder and amazement? Like that, like a, like a real like, oh, Lord, that is, I can't even, I can't even make that up. And I think of my children being born. Mm-hmm wonder and amazement mm-hmm. like 
Lord, I don't even know. Like a, a baby just came into this world that yeah. you made. Well, you know how it came into. I know the how world, it came, but, <laughs> but I mean, but like how God put that it all a, together. That was a joke. I know, but but how God put it all together, and then also that it it isn't just the physical part of that baby, but it's also the soul and the spiritual part. And and the just the wonder of what God can do, and and that was just one thing. I mean, you, in many hikes I've been on, looking at creation, I've been in wonder. I mean, there's many things, but that's one that just sticks out to me. Like His creation of humanity is 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 a wonder, and He loves it because He sent His Son for us. <laughs> and so it's just one of those things where Amen. trying to trying to think of ways that we can like I've never seen a, a lame man get up and walk. So but I do I can see things that Jesus and God does that is amazing that does give me this sense of wonder in my life. And so yeah, God is amazing and we just sometimes need to open our eyes and look around a little bit. One last word for the this episode. Peter's statement Verse 6 seems to me to be something that's that's supposed to be pivotal. He says, as he looks at the man, kind of backing up in the story, I do not possess silver and gold, because that's, that's what the man's asking for. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. Now, it's just interesting, Peter's words. What I do have... I give to you. He's talking, Peter's talking about being in possession of something. And I think he's in possession, yes, of a relationship with Jesus, but also the power of Jesus as an apostle to do ministry. And I think what he's about to give this man in the name of Jesus, in reputation of, in representation of Jesus, he's about to use the power of Jesus as Jesus would to heal this man. Jesus is the one who said, you know, greater works will you do than I will do. And he's talking about numerically speaking in the book of John. He, he's telling the disciples, you're going to go and do the same thing that I am doing. You're going to minister across the world. It's starting in Jerusalem. And this is what's happening in, in Acts. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. They're still in Jerusalem, but they're ministering there in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses. This is a scene of them being a witness right here. Yeah, it is. I also think of, you know, they say I don't, I don't have gold or, or silver. I think sometimes we give ourselves an excuse like I can't help people. I don't, I don't have any money. I don't have any extra to give. Mm-hmm. It's like, but you do have the most important thing to give, right? <laughs> and that is God's word, the gospel. Right. Um, and sometimes we we do that. I know I can. Like, oh man, I wish I had more money so I could do X, Y, and Z. I could do more ministry in this way. It's like, well, the ministry is the gospel. Go give it to people. That's the most important thing. Now, will God use money and steward it in a way that is going to reach people and that's a resource that God used? Of course. But I think individually we can say, are we even putting the gospel first before those things? Or are we waiting for some sort of resource to pop up before we go and do ministry? Mm -hmm. Well, John and Peter didn't wait for a resource they were just going and doing the ministry that God called them to do. This scene is going to get them in trouble, though. Yes. Uh, we know that Peter's going to preach in the next passage, but we also know that they have some imprisonment waiting for them. Um, this scene will catapult them into, I think, some of the first moments of persecution that they've ever faced. Um, so I look forward to that in the coming episodes. 
Yeah, so thank you all for listening to the Be Disciple podcast. Uh, we just continue to pray that you would sit down with people and read God's Word. Uh, that in your church, uh, if, if you feel like, man, things just aren't going well, just start discipling people. <laughs> just start opening the Word with people and studying God's Word. Um, and trusting in God. So I pray for you, no matter who you are, where you're at in your life, in your walk, whatever church you're at, I just pray that you guys open the Word, study it, and live it out for Jesus. Uh, So thank you so much for being a part of this podcast and listening in. I hope you have a blessed week.